So at this point, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, it's great to see many of you back. I know some of you have been travelling and maybe uh, just around the state or even around the nation or maybe further than that. It's just great to, to be back together as God's people here at Gosnells and, and uh, meeting together and singing his praise. Can I just say your singing this morning was hugely encouraging for us at the front leading. It's just lovely and I could sense God encouraging us all as we sung and the truth of God to one another and to him. Psalm 84 is where we're going to be today and a few passages in the New Testament as well. So let me read that to you and then I'll read one from the New Testament and then we'll pray and dive into it. Psalm 84, written by the sons of Korah, which were a group who wrote songs for the corporate praise of the people of God. And this is what this song says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And then over to Ephesians chapter 2 and starting from verse 18 through to the end of that chapter. For through him we both, that being Jews and Gentiles, have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray together. I certainly need it. I felt like I had three sermons in my head this week, rushing around and as I struggled to prepare for this morning. 
Uh, so hopefully you only get one and not three. But let's pray that God will uh, yeah, make his word clear and compelling as it is to us. Father, thanks so much that you have given us your word. You've not left us in the dark. We can open it together. But we don't want to just open it. We want it to open us by the power of your spirit as you bring your word home to us. Please, Lord, at the beginning of this new year, we, we live not by bread alone. We want to live by every mouth that come, sorry, every word that comes from your mouth. So, Lord, would you feed us this morning for your glory and for our good? Amen. Well, I discovered this week that now is the time that gyms put lots of offers out. Our gym has the current offer, 30 days for $30. 30 days for $30, in which you, when you're an already a member and you're paying at least double that, it's a little bit hard to swallow, but nevertheless, that's the offer that they've got out for anyone who wants to join. It's normally $38 a fortnight. So the question is, why such offers and why now? And it's obvious, isn't it? Because it's the new year. And people are making all sorts of resolves. People are deciding to, to do all sorts of things that they weren't doing in 2023. Decisions are being made focused on being more healthy, more buff, more disciplined, more focused, whatever it might be. Decisions not to maybe just float through another year, but rather to flourish in the year ahead. And guys, I'm not about to make fun or belittle those decisions that people might make. They're good decisions. Uh, they say the definition of insanity is to continue to do the same things and somehow expect a different outcome. So resolves to do different things maybe are a sign, not insane. It's a good thing. It's a sane thing to do. But my question this morning is this. What about spiritually? What about spiritually? What about our walk with Jesus in 2024? What do we need to decide so that we flourish in our faith and in our walk with him and maybe not float or drift? Because that's a very real possibility, isn't it? That we might drift and become cold and unresponsive to God and to who he is and what he's done. What key things need to happen for us to become more healthy spiritually in 2024 than we were in 2023, even if we were fairly healthy in 2023? Well, I'm going to mention uh, some things. They're not new things. In fact, they're ancient things, things that God's people have done for millennia as they walk with him. And there are three of them in this psalm that we're going to look at today. The three things we need to flourish spiritually in our walk with Jesus. And they're, they're not rocket science. They're fairly obvious. We will need to love his presence and his praise. We need to love his presence and his praise. That's number one. Number two, we need to look to him to live for him. We need to look to him to live for him and his glory. And thirdly, and not least, 
We need to treasure his worth, trusting in his goodness. So firstly, we need to love his presence and his praise. And we see that in verses 1 to 4. I've already mentioned what we have here is a song that was to be sung by the people of God. And as you read it, you'll notice that it expresses the hearts of those who know, love and long for God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Now, we have the language of longing here, don't we? Do you see it there? Longing, that's deep. My heart and my flesh. Are the, are the ways he describes this longing within him. And it's, it's, it sounds kind of desperate, doesn't it? Or at least passionate. It involves his whole being. And it's a longing for the living God, for God himself. But where does this longing come from? Well, it comes from a deep love for God. For his presence and his praise. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Now, is David saying that the temple at the heart of God's Old Testament people's lives is the thing that's lovely to him? Well, yes, but not just that, right? Why is, he, why is the temple lovely to him? Well, it's lovely to him because it's the place where God dwells. It's a place where the presence of God is among his people. So the temple itself is not the thing that's, 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 in, that's inspiring this, this comment about the loveliness of his dwelling place. It's the one who dwells there that makes it lovely. This temple was uh, critical at the, at the centre of his people's lives. It's the dwelling place of the Lord of hosts. Do you notice your Bible should say capital L-O-R-D, Lord, which is the way our English translations highlight the great name of God the Sovereign, the Lord Almighty One, the one who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And when Moses said, who shall I say is sending me? God said, I am who I am. This is the, the dwelling place of the great I am. His glorious presence among his people and with his people. And this temple was God's gracious provision to his people, wasn't it? Because everything about this temple is grace. It's how the great I am, the holy, holy, holy God, as we heard earlier, dwells with an unholy people. 
Because in the temple you've got all the sacrificial system and everything else that comes with it and the three courts and the holy of holies and you know the priest only goes into that place once a year and then there's another group who can only come to the second part and then the other part, well everyone can come there but maybe you can't come any closer. Why? Because the great Lord of hosts dwells here and you are sinful so you need not come any closer. It's not good for you to do that. You need to come with your sacrifices and have the priest offer them for your sins. But still, the psalmist says, how lovely is your dwelling place. You know, sometimes we sanitise the temple. You know, um, kind of there's this little dove that gets offered on the sacrifice. It's all nice and clean and tidy. But this place was more like an abattoir, friends. You imagine the amount of sacrifices that are being offered screaming out to those who are offering God's grace to you and your need of it. It's where the people of God went to draw near to him, to confess their sins to him, to offer sacrifices for sins to him and to receive grace from him. It's where they would go and join with others in bringing joyful praise to him and to together with others express their love for God. The dwelling place of God is lovely to them. Why? Because of who dwells there. And because they can, to a point, draw near to him together through his gracious provision. Now the psalmist it clearly is longing for this. He says, my heart and my flesh cry out or sing to the living God. My soul longs, which gives us a, a window into the fact that he's not actually there geographically at the moment. He, he seems to be somewhat distant from the temple. And so he's longing to be there. You know, he's even jealous of the birds. Do you see that? You've got the swallows. And what are the other birds? There's two types of birds. Sparrows, the sparrows and the swallows. There you go. You know, he's jealous of them. Why? Well, because they've found somewhere to you know make a nest in the in the beams of the temple. They're not in any way kind of restricted or geographically by being there. And he's thinking about the birds in the in the in the temple, and he's like, ah, you know, they're there, and I'm not. And then he says, "Blessed are those who dwell in your house." ever singing your praise. He's thinking of the ones who are there at the moment while he's distant and, and removed from it. Saying, oh, blessed are those who are dwelling in your house, ever singing your praise. It's a little hint of what the blessed life looks like. If you want to know what the blessed life looks like, it's to be near to God, this God together with others by his grace, praising him with them. That's the blessed life. But this is the Old Testament, isn't it? What changes in the new? What difference does Jesus make to this reality? Well, friends, he makes a massive difference. And we saw it in the reading that we had earlier. For through him, we, both Jewish people and non-Jewish people, Paul writes, have access 
access in one spirit to the Father, to God. So then you're no longer strangers if you're a Gentile and separate from this or aliens, but you are fellow citizens now through the gospel with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And these two verses are it. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, in Christ, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the difference that Jesus has made, friends. This guy, he's, he's limited in his access to God limited by, by the sacrificial system at that point in time. But Jesus has come and made the one perfect sacrifice forever. And he is building together a new temple, a holy temple, a temple set apart by God. Uh, but it's not made out of bricks and mortar. And, you know, There's no beams in this one for the swallows to nest in. This is made out of people who have come to faith in Jesus and who are now indwelt by his spirit who are being built together by God into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is why, friends, we need to love God's presence and God's praise. Why? Because you're the people of God, you're the temple of God, you have the Spirit of God in you, indwelling you, and you're being built together in the gospel to be his dwelling place, not just now, but for eternity. I mean, this is a small sample now, but isn't it astonishing? And I don't know about you, but I don't often come to church like that. I don't often walk in the doors on a Sunday morning thinking who we really are. Oh, I've got stuff to do, you know, maybe I'm you know, getting the PowerPoint ready or, you know, whatever it is, or you know, maybe I'm welcoming someone in the foyer or whatever, but am I really aware of who what this is that we are part of. I went to the Big Bash Cricket the other day, which was great fun, and I, I, I couldn't help uh, smiling during, uh, during the game. There were some kids down at the kind of fence, a whole bunch of... There's, I know there's a name for little young cricketers. I can, someone can tell me later. Maybe Marshall can tell me later. But they're all down there with their shirts on and so on. And, and there was players fielding and, you know, they're kind of hanging over the balcony of the fence until, until the player come and then they're taking these selfies, you know, of their favourite player and whatever. Why? So that they can go home and go, hey, look, 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 look who was with us. Look who was with us. It was, it was I don't know, whichever player you want to think about. Maybe you don't even know the place. It doesn't matter, right? That's, but they like showing all their friends the photo. Friends, brothers and sisters, who's with us? Who's with us by his grace? Who's indwelling us as his people? Who, who, who's... And that's not just a one-off little thing at the boundary... That's a permanent reality. Should change things, shouldn't it? Should change things for us, I reckon. What does that say about us as the gathered people of God on a Sunday? Or whenever we gather with others, for that matter. 
Could that change things for us? Could that change our desires? Well, what we're focused on, our priorities. Could that change serving from a burden to a joy in God's, among God's people? Sorry, is that right? Yeah, not the other way around. Yeah, from a burden to a joy. Now, sometimes it's going to be hard work, right? But this will, give, this will fill it with some joy as well. Even if I'm tired. Our giving to the work of the gospel could be shaped by this because this is significant. What God is doing is he builds his church. If we're going to be healthy this year, we want to love his presence and his praise. He saved us for that. That's what he's doing as he builds us together. Secondly, we need to look to him to live for his glory. We need to look to him to live for his glory. Look at verse 5 through verse 8. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. In these verses, we, we kind of get a glimpse, don't we, of what living for God for the long haul in life can often look like. You'll need strength from God to do it. And you'll need a heart for God to do it. And notice these are both blessings from God for us as we seek to live for his glory. What does he say? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. This is something God brings about. He gives you strength and reorientates your heart. And it's so helpful, isn't it, that the psalm doesn't pretend that this life is without hardship. You know, that's the, that's the awesome thing about the gospel and about God's word. It's brutally honest. You know, it's not some kind of paper mache that we apply on everything and everything becomes smooth. No, no. It recognises the ups and the downs and the struggles and the darkness and the light and so on. It speaks of suffering and hardship. And, but it speaks of God's people going through that with him. And that's what verse 6 is about. As they go through the valley of Bacar, which is the valley of dryness, what happens when, you're, when you've got strength from God and your heart is for his presence? They make it a place of springs. What? So as you have strength from God and your heart is for him, it's possible for there to be blessing in amongst that suffering or hardship. In fact, it's not just possible, it's certain. It's certain. To continue to long for God above all else, it will mean this when hardships come. 
Uh, one commentator put it this way. Those who uh, are in this place by faith dare to dig blessings out of hardships. Let me say that again. Those who are in this place by God's grace through faith dare to dig blessings out of hardships. And this is what it looks like if we're going to live for his glory. We need to look to him because things will happen. Life will go up and it will go down and sometimes it'll go a long way down. Other times it'll maybe go a long way up. That's just reality. 2024, who knows what tomorrow might bring? I didn't know 2023, at the beginning of 2023, what that was going to bring for us personally and none of us do. But we know this. If we look to him, he will give us strength to navigate whatever valley it is and actually to grow through it. Now, the song we sung says it perfectly, doesn't it? The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Saviour, he will stay. I labour on in weakness and rejoicing. Are those words supposed to go together? For in my need, his power, his strength is displayed. With every breath I long to follow Jesus. For he has said he will bring me home. And day by day I know he will renew me. Until I stand with joy before the throne. That's why I think this little section finishes in prayer. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Grant me strength. May my heart always be orientated towards you and not drifting from you. Again, if we think about um, the New Testament, we've got passages that just scream this reality out, don't we? And Romans 8 is probably my favourite all-time passage, as you know, if you've been around for a while by now. But look at what it says here. It's just talked about the whole creation groaning and us groaning internally under the weight of life in a fallen world. But he says, likewise, the spirit, the spirit helps. Actually, the word there is groans, helping us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We love Romans 8, 28, don't we? We you know, rattle that off. But there's a context to it. And do you see what the context is? How can we say that so confidently we know that all things work together for good for those who love God according to his purpose? How, how do we know that? How can we have confidence in that? Because the Spirit helps us in our weakness. As we groan and struggle sometimes in this life, the Spirit's at work in it. And even that struggle, we can know, will work for our good.
So we need to look to him to live for him this year. It's not always easy. Suffering and hardship will come. Maybe it has this last year. Maybe you're hoping just for a better 2024. Well, maybe. Maybe not. But that's okay. We have the Spirit of God and he helps us in our weakness. And his strength at work in us has no limits. Has no limits. He is more than able to help us. And through him we can actually by faith dig blessings out of hardships. Through him all things can work together for our good. So we need to love him and his praises, look to him for his glory, and lastly and not leastly, we need to treasure his worth, trusting in his goodness. Have a look at verse 9 to 12. Maybe you're familiar with these verses. There's been songs uh, written on these verses. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Notice the, the psalmist is now doing like a cost-benefit analysis. On the one hand is the presence of God and knowing him deeply and intimately. And on the other is all that the world may have to offer. And what's his conclusion? One day, in your presence, one, 24 hours, is better than a thousand elsewhere. That's where he lands. And that's where we need to land. Treasuring his worth more than anything else. In fact, he goes... He speaks of the lowest position in the house of God is better than all the world has to offer. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Just, just give me the door job. Just give me the lowest place, whatever it is. I'll take that. Rather than be in the tents of wickedness, indulging in whatever is on offer there. This is what happens when we realise God's worth. Everything orientates as it ought to be. This is what happens when the beauty and the presence of Almighty God and knowing Him lands for us. It will radically change things. What matters to us, what we value, what we long for, and therefore, as a result, what we live for. But notice there's another part of this that has to happen for us as well. Did you see it there? It's in verse 11. What does he say? For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. See, the reality is the chances of us living out verse 10 are unlikely unless we believe verse 11. Yeah. 
we won't be able to do it. And it begins with this key word, doesn't it? You see it there in verse 11? What's the first word? For. Which means it's connected to the previous verse. You see, we don't just need to be convinced of the glory and the worth of God. We also need to be convinced of the goodness and the kindness of God. One is honouring him and the other is trusting him. And we need both. We need both. And if that happens, then verse 12 will be true of us. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now, where do we find a similar kind of uh, reality in the New Testament? We find it in Paul, in a very familiar place. Paul had his worth, or what he held valuable, sorted out, didn't he? But whatever I gain, so whatever gain I had, I count, counted as, as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. More literal translation, done. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Do you see it at work in the life of the Apostle Paul? That, that which I thought was important, that which I thought was invaluable, that which I was giving my life for and to, even though it was a religious endeavour, right? that which I was placing all my value on and all my, or the basket I was putting all my eggs in, that I thought was it, I now count it as loss compared or for the sake of Christ. See, if we're to live healthy spiritual lives in 2024, we need to treasure his worth and trust in his goodness. We need to treasure his worth and trust in his goodness. We need to be absolutely sure of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, our Lord. That his worth is better than anything else or anyone else, even those who are precious to us. His worth is greater than we can imagine and his kindness is deeper than we dare to dream. And if we see this, our lives will be shaped by it. So I wonder this morning, have you made any decisions or resolves for 2024? Or have you done it before and just gone, ah, you know, I'll blow them out by about week two. So I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to put, you know, put up the white flag now, 
just keep doing what I've been doing. Not gonna, not gonna have a go. Yeah, maybe that's happened. Though, by the way, there'll be resolves that you've probably needed to do in your own strength and with your own willpower. And you know, most of us have questionable levels of strength and you know, f- f- uh, flickering willpower. Sometimes it's working. Sometimes it's not working. But I want to encourage you, don't let those resolves that maybe you've ne- you haven't really followed through on discourage you from making godly, spiritual, healthy resolves this year. Because you're not going to do it on your own. Well, you can try. I'm not, I'm not advising that. As we, as we heard, blessed are those whose strength is in you. These are resolves, godly Spiritual resolves that God is calling us to and will enable us for. We have his spirit. We have one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We have the means of grace, the word of God, the the Lord's table, the singing of his praise, the prayers of the saints and so on. We have all these things that are are to, to bring grace into our lives that we might live the lives he's calling us to. So don't not resolve to do good and godly things this year. Do them in God's strength. Do them in dependence on him. But do them. And maybe these are three you could start with. Will you love God's presence more this year? Will he become more precious to you? Will you love his presence as among the gathered people of God as you join together as we've done this morning and hear the praises of the people of God? Will you love that this year? Will you look to him? You know, some of us are, are kind of white-knuckle people where we strive really hard and some of us kind of you know, throw in the white towel. Let's not do either of those things. Let's look to him and in dependence seek to live for him. Maybe that's something you could think about doing more of this year. Maybe you're already doing it and keep at it. Keep doing that. And lastly, will you treasure his worth? Will you ask him to lift your sense of his value and worth deeply within you and his goodness as your heavenly father? That it might shape all sorts of things for you. Can we pray together as we start This new year, we've already started, as we continue into 2024, let's pray. Father, we come this morning and we are, as as your word has told us, your spirit helps us in our weakness. We're not strong. We don't have the resources spiritually or in other ways to live for you. We need your grace. We need your power. We need your strength. We need so much your spirit and your word and one another. We need your truth. We need you to open our eyes and unstop our ears and enliven our hearts 
and all of these things we need from you, you are more than able and willing to provide. Father, would you teach us what it means to love your presence and your praise more this year? Would you grow us in our dependence on you and our desire to live for you and to bring you glory in your world wherever you've placed us? And Lord, would we treasure you? Would you become increasingly precious and worthy in our hearts and our minds as we recognise your glory and your kindness and goodness to us, especially in your Son? Father, we thank you for what this is that we're a part of this morning. This dwelling that, we, that, that you are building together. This place for your spirit, your people brought together around your son. What an astonishing thing. May we, may we also cherish it and encourage it and invest in it and seek to see one another flourish in our faith and in our love for you. Father, we want to commit each other to you as we sit together here this morning, perhaps other people in our row, in front of us or behind us. We want to commend one another to you and to your grace, asking, Lord, that you would be at work in us for your glory and for our good. Thank you that we can come with confidence because we come in Jesus' name. Amen.